I'm excited this morning about Pastor Michael coming and sharing his word for the year as Pastor Jordan shared last week and my word the week before. And just a reminder, this is a good reminder that we are not building um, this, this church based on the teachings of just one person. We are building this church based on the word of God. And we want to just continue to give the word of God, to open the word of God, to teach the word of God through many different um, instruments, through many different voices, understanding that our hope is not in what one person tells us. Our hope is in what the word of God um, will always say to us. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and ask Pastor Michael to go ahead and come on up. And, and if you can make him feel welcome this morning. always a joy to be here, not only in this church, but also to be able to share with everyone what the Lord has put on my heart. So today's message is going to be, as he already announced, based on the word that God has given me for the year, which is the word commitment. Um, if you got your Bibles, please open them up to um, Psalm 37. We're going to read verse 5 from there. Although the, the version, I'm going, to read, I'm going to read from the King James on this one. Um, and then also get Proverbs 16.3. And that one I'm going to be using the English Standard Version. <clears throat> and give me an amen when you're there. Amen. All right, y'all are quick. I like it. So Thom, Thom, Thom <laughs> if I can speak correctly, Thom, Thom 37, <laughs> Psalm 37 verse 5. From the King James, I don't know, I, I stuttered in the first service, I, I don't know what it is, but, uh, so Psalm 37, 5, in the King James, it words it just a little bit differently, and I'll explain why I'm going to read it from there, but it says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And then Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans or thoughts will be established. And I'm going to repeat that at the end of the service as well, because that's what we're going to revolve around um, today. So if you could, please pray with me. Father God, we, Lord, once again, we just love you. Lord, we worship you and we thank you, God. And, and we right now humbly bow before you and your word. Lord, teach us, Lord, speak to our hearts, Lord, today, Lord, we need to hear you speak, Lord God. Your voice, Lord, in our lives is our daily bread, Lord, and we need you to speak to us, Lord. When you speak, it is life and it is good, Lord, even though sometimes it is uncomfortable, Lord. Speak to our hearts today, Father. Let me step aside, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to look at another word, as we said again, and it is commitment. And God kind of directed me a little bit during the middle of me preparing. He wanted to give me the why um, this is important. Um, not only should we question and challenge ourselves in our commitment to the Lord, but there's also an issue going on in our culture today where um, they're trying to redefine Christianity. And not only redefine Christianity, but redefine science and truth uh, and our faith and what it means. And so, and this is something that's been going on 
for a long, long time. In, in, in 2 John, this is where the Lord led me, in 2 John, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says that, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. And so we see that that's the whole goal of the spirit of Antichrist, is to redefine what truth is and what, what the word of God and what Christian, what our faith means. And we see that today. We see today where people are trying to redefine Christianity. They're trying to redefine even biology and truth. Science that's, that has empirical evidence of, you know, we were created male and female. They're trying to redefine that. Um, so there's, there's things that we got to be careful of today and make sure that we're committed in our walk with Christ. And so God kind of just gave me that, the why behind this is important, especially today, because they're doing this to our youth right in front of our faces. And we as Christians have an obligation to commit to sharing truth. So, um, and not only that, but me as a personal, in my personal walk with Christ as a pastor, God was kind of challenging me because uh, since I've been here, I've kind of been bouncing around, filling in here and doing this and doing that. And God's kind of wanting to tie me down and commit to something in particular. So I've spoken with Pastor Mike on those issues and, and we're going to work that out. So praise God for that. I'm thankful for God's love and his correction. And so the word commitment should not be a foreign thing to us. We all have commitments. We all make them. We buy things and then we're committed to paying the bill, right? <clears throat> Most of us have made commitments to other people in relationships like marriage or in work. We, uh, or as sometimes lunch and dinner plans, which I'm an expert at committing to those. You know I had to put food in here somehow because, you know, I'm a trained professional, like to eat. Um, but in, in all seriousness, some might connect the word to commitment to keeping one's word, which is true. Most of our commitments are just agreeing to do the little things and then actually following through and doing them. That's, that's the thing to commitment. So most of the time it's automatic. We say we're going to do something and we're going to do it. But sometimes not so much. In most relationships, commitment is expected by everybody involved. Bless you, whoever sneezed. In a business, employees commit to do work, right? And the employer commits to paying us for doing that work. So there's a commitment there in a work relationship. So commitment is what makes a person keep their part of the bargain. So just want to lay that little bit of foundation there. And, and if you'll notice, I don't have slides, and I did that intentionally because I have about 37 points to get through. Um, and, you know, Micah, he usually does three, and Brother Jordan said last week he had four, and that was because he's new. Well, I have so many because I don't get to preach that often, so i got to pack in as many as possible. So, <laughs> so. What exactly is commitment? This is what we're going to dive into. What exactly is commitment? To each person, it could mean something else, especially in today's time where there's lots of relativism, where people say, well, that's your truth, and this is my truth, and this is this, and this is that. But whatever it is, whatever, however you define commitment, there's still the same principle that's applied. Here's some examples of that same principle. To a boxer, commitment is getting off the mat more times than they've been knocked down. To a marathoner, it's running another 10 miles when they're exhausted. To a soldier, it's going over the hill, not knowing what's waiting on the other side with reckless abandon to self for the sake of the cause. To the missionary, it's saying goodbye 
to your own luxuries and your own comforts to bring the gospel to others. To Christians in general, this applies to all of us, it's, it's all that and more because everyone is watching our every action and our life depending on us to get back up again when we've been knocked down, to run 10 miles extra when we're exhausted, and to show courage when we're faced with the unknown, and to die to self for the sake of spreading the gospel. Listen to this quote from Charles Stanley. He says, Why do you suppose that there are close to 100 million church members in America today, yet they're not making more of a moral and spiritual impact? Why is it that on Sunday morning, thousands of churches have more empty pews than full? Why is it that the average Sunday school in America has less than 66 in attendance and that the average worship service has 84? Why is it that only 50% of the number of any church membership role can be expected to attend? And if Christians really believe in a real heaven and a real hell, how can we be so silent? Listen to Charles, Stanley answer, Charles Stanley's answer to this. He says, the answer to all of these questions is tragically simple. God's people have made a decision about Jesus, but they are not committed to him. Charles Stanley wrote that in his book entitled Confronting Casual Christianity. So commitment is the foundation of successful Christian living. The Lord is going to stand behind his promises. He has committed. He's committed to do what he said he will do. And for the Christian, there can't be anything less for us. Commitment is an absolute necessity. Look at the word, the definition of the word decision. It means the act of deciding. A determination arrived at a consideration coming to a conclusion. A report of a conclusion. So we, we shouldn't rejoice in just decisions because decisions are only the first step. When we say, oh, some, so-and-so made a decision for Christ. That's great, but that's only the first step. There's no power in a decision without commitment. Look at what God says in his word about decisions. In Joel 3.14, God says, and I'm going to read from the King James again, it says, multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. And then the word of God says, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Why is that? Why, why does God say that the, val- the, the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision? Because the valley of decision, you're just wandering along, You're making excuses. Look at the perspective here in a valley. When we see that perspective of valley, our flesh and our minds say, oh, that's too much because we're looking up at these big mountains and we're saying, I can't do that. I'm not ready to give this up. I can't climb that mountain. I can't overcome this. This is way too much. So we make excuses. Time goes on. And before we know it, we're standing before the Lord. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. You see that? We looked at Two weeks ago, Pastor Micah brought his word of dependence. And in areas of my life that I see where I am not committed to Christ and rather self-sufficient, I am not dependent upon him. Those are areas where I need to be more committed so that I can be dependent upon him and not self-sufficient and self-sustaining. 
And then we heard Brother Jordan's word last week. I wasn't here, but I was able to hear it on SoundCloud. I'm thankful for that. Where we find our identity in Christ. Christ must come first to find our true identity. If we're not committed to Christ, though, we wander away and then we lose that picture of our identity in Christ. The old man starts to creep back in. This is where James 1.22 comes into play, as Brother Jordan said last week, that, that we must be doers and not just hearers uh, deceiving ourselves. So to break all that down, in essence, commitment requires action. Commitment requires some form of action. Let's use the, the word commit in sentences so we can get the context here. Listen to these few examples of the word commit in sentences. So... Sentence, she was admitting to a crime she did not commit. Before you commit to doing this, think about that. Locusts are very numerous and commit great devastation to plants and vegetation. If he was going to be serious about full-time law enforcement, he should commit to doing it right. And that's not a jab at Brother Robert. <laughs> <laughs> In 1450, Thomas Gascoigne, the great Oxford Chancellor, wrote, Sinners say nowadays, I care not how many or how great sins I commit before God. And then the last sentence using the word commit is a question which asks, What led Ted Bundy to commit so many murders? You see the common use and context of this word is that commit and commitment is an action. It is an action. And so that brings me to my next point. It's probably number 12 or so. I'm not sure. You keep count. That commitment starts in the heart. Commitment starts in the heart. And here's the problem, though. We say we're going to do something, but the problem with us as humans is we want everything to be perfect before we're willing to commit to anything. We say we're going to work it out. We got to get this in order. We got to do that first. This has got to happen before we're willing to commit. And that's a problem because then we're depending on ourselves. We're depending on ourselves to do something before we can make that action go into play. So we should remember, and remember, this is God's word to me here commitment always should come before achievements. Don't base your commitment on achievements because then you're, you're basing it on yourself, on ourselves. It's said that during the Kentucky Derby, and I'm not into the Kentucky Derby, but this is just an illustration just for this purpose here. The conduct, during the Kentucky Derby, the winning horse, it is said, effectively runs out of oxygen after their first mile during the race, and then they go the rest of the way on pure heart. Think about that for just a second. If we, let's apply this to our Christian lives. If we really want to make a difference in other people's lives as Christians, let's look at how much heart we put into doing that. Wow. Which brings me to my next point. That commitment is always tested by action. It's always tested by action. It's one thing to talk about commitment. It's one thing... To say we're going to do this and to say we're going to do that, but it is entirely something else to do it. It separates the doers from the hearers. Our action 
separates the doers from the hearers. The only real measure of our commitment is our action. Think about this quote here from Arthur Gordon. He said, nothing is easier than saying words. Nothing is harder than living them day after day. Here's an example. A newly elected judge in some town won office, won his office during the election. And during his acceptance speech, he said, I wish to thank the 424 people who promised to vote for me. I wish to thank the 316 people who said they did vote for me. And I wish to thank the 47 people who actually came out to vote last Thursday. And finally, I want to thank the 26 folks who actually did vote for me. That's the reality of it right there. So many people say they're going to do something and then never follow through. I can't even count the times where I've, I've uh, shared with somebody and they've said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in church. Not only me, but my wife, my brother, my uncle, my sister, and my grandmother and all their kids. We're going to be there. And then church day comes and it's crickets. It's so much easier to say than to do. It's so much easier. And... As Christians, we will face many, many obstacles, plenty of times, plenty of opportunities and oppositions for us to make excuse after excuse. If we don't already, you will face that. And there'll be times when the commitment, though, is also the only thing that will carry us forward. So there's going to be times in our lives where we're not going to want to do it. We're going to make excuses to not do it. But then there'll be times in our life that the only reason why we're doing what we're doing is because we've made that commitment. That's the only thing that will carry us forward. If we want to get anywhere worthwhile, though, we must be committed to Christ. We can commit to all kinds of things. But there's only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that will be eternal, and that's anything done through Christ. All the rest will be hay and stubble, burned up in the fire. But especially today, as we see in our society, how the culture wants to redefine Christianity in the minds of our youth. Because the youth are, are as we say, not only our future, but now. But we, we have a responsibility for our youth. So especially today, in that spirit of Antichrist that's actively trying to redefine our faith, science and truth in the minds of our youth right in front of our face, we need to be committed to Christ. When it comes to commitment, there are four types of people. The first type of person is a cop-out. The cop-outs are people who have no goals, therefore they have nothing to commit to. As you heard Brother Jordan say last week, what is our goal as a Christian? Is our goal heaven? Do we commit to heaven? No, our goal is Christ. Our goal is God. So we commit to God. Therefore, we have something to commit to. Christ. We commit to him. But if, if we have no goal, if we have no goal, there's nothing for us to commit to. What will happen? We're going to do nothing and we're a cop out. The next type of person is a holdout. A holdout is people who don't know if they can reach their goals, so they're afraid to commit. The, cop, the holdout, excuse me, is actually idolatry because the holdout is depending on their strength to get through it and do it and not trusting God. The next, the third type of person is a dropout. 
Dropouts are people who start towards their goal, but they quit when the going gets tough. It's too much work. It's laziness. The dropouts say, this is too hard. I can't do it. This is too much. I'm uncomfortable. Well, I don't like how they're going to look at me or what they'll think. Again, that's idolatry, but it's also laziness, not wanting to do the work that God has called us to do. And then the fourth type of person, this is, this is where God calls each one of us. And we look at cop-outs, hold-outs, drop-outs. Fourth type of person is an all-in. This is people who set goals, commit to those goals, pay the price to reach those goals. This is where God calls us to be. And again, this was God's word to me. He's calling me out here to commit to goals, commit to paying the price to reach those goals. As, as I've been called to be a pastor, and as I said that, you know, I've kind of bounced around wherever, and now God's calling me out here. And, and, and this is my word for the year to, to commit to these goals and commit to where God has called me as a pastor to do what he's called me to do and pay that price to do what he's called me to do. So this is where Christ calls not only all of us, but me especially. And so when we commit to be all in, we're putting something else in charge. If we make that commitment, we're saying, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstances are, I am going to be impelled or driven from the inside to do what God has called me to do. Whatever we are committed to has the final say. So I have to ask myself, do the things in my life reflect my commitment to the Lord or to the world? Do I really care about God, his truth, his gospel, the lost? And if so, what am I doing about it? Let's measure God's level of commitment to us. Just read John 3.16 for starters. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was all in. He was all in. He was committed. And then look at Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. If you want to turn there, I'll wait for just a second for you to get there. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and all the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God. I love that. I love that message that Pastor Micah brought, but God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. Let me just summarize all of that up in just this one sentence. In other words, God has committed to provide salvation for us when we didn't even deserve it. He was committed to us before we were even thinking about anything related to him. And just put this into perspective for just a minute. We all have people that we don't like so much in our lives. We all have people that we just can't stand to be around. 
Think about now you committing to meeting that person's need, even though you can't stand them, even though they're doing stuff that just annoys you or bugs you or just gets under your skin or whatever it is, or they just blatantly disrespect you or talk about you, and you're going to meet their need and you're going to commit to them. We wouldn't do that, but God did that for us. He did that for us. So that's why God deserves our commitment. He deserves us to be all in because he was all in. Can we give him any less? Can we give him any less? And then think about this. This is the question I have, I have to ask myself then. How do I step up my commitment then to God? And I love the image that Pastor Micah put on the front of the announcement here because it says taking your life to the next level. This is what we need to do. We need to level up our commitment. And is, again, this is what God's word was to me this year. Level up your commitment. I've called you to do this. What are you doing? So here's how we step up our commitment to God. The first thing is we have to be honest and we have to measure it honestly. Because as Proverbs says, every man will, eat, will declare his, his righteousness and his goodness. We all think we're good in our own eyes, right? We all think that we're just hunky-dory and fine. So we've got to have a standard or a measure to measure it by. So we have to be truly honest because we will believe that we are committed Christians. Yet, if we take an honest step back and look at our actions, it may indicate some red flags in our life. And I, I see red flags in my life. So spend a few hours tallying up how you spend your time and where you spend your money. Look at how much time you spend at work, in service with family, in health or recreation activities, whatever it is, and figure out how much money or time you spend on living, entertainment, personal development, giving, and then God. You know, Pastor Micah, we were talking about our, our nifty little Apple Watches here, and um, Pastor Micah brought up, the, the new Apple Watch thing, it has a thing where it brings up your screen time. And one of the things Pastor Micah said, he said, when he saw it, he said, wow. He said, I prayed to God that I would spend more time in his word than I would on the screen here. And I said, I'm thankful that I disabled that app. So, <laughs> but that's, that's the truth. It's uncomfortable, but it's true. We spend a lot of time on our devices, and my wife will be the first to uh, point her finger at me about that. Look at her smiling back there, yes. <laughs> but this is, this is the truth. The time that we spend on things is where we're committed the most. And that's, that's uncomfortable. That is uncomfortable. Um, and, and this is what God calls, he calls us out in areas like this, not to shame us, but to correct us and grow us. He corrects those who he loves, and we should be thankful for his correction and his love because even in his correction, he is gentle and merciful. I mean, he could just smite me at any time because I would deserve that, but he is gentle and merciful and says, yeah, take a look at this. We need to work on it. Thankful for that. So you may be surprised what you find if you calculate what you spend your time on and be honest with yourself about it. And then when you do that, when you have that list, here, here's another thing. This will really floor you. Out of that list, ask yourself, which one of these is worth dying for? Ooh, yeah, that hurts. 
out of all the things that we spend our time on, if it came down to it, what would the one thing be in life that we would not be able to stop doing no matter what the consequences were? What would that one item be? Spend time alone meditating on that thought for just a second because we have a list of things that we do that we spend our time on. And then see, compare if it matches our Christian ideals for our lives. We may have a hard time, as we said, it's easier to say things than to put it into action and do them. But there's a way that we can help ourselves to commit and to put our words into action. And here, this is called the Edison method. So if we take the first step, this is what Thomas Edison used to do. Because our first step towards commitment is, is a problem a lot of times. We don't want to, we make excuses and all this stuff. So Thomas Edison, what he would do is he would gather together a council. He'd get a bunch of people together and he would announce what he wanted to do. He would announce it first. He made it public. And then he would go to his lab and do what he said he was going to do. And here's, here's what's important about that. We have human pride. And our pride makes us want to look good in front of other people. Our pride doesn't want us to be a fool or a liar in the eyes of other people. So we can use and leverage our, our human pride that, in a way that will glorify God. Because if we announce what our commitment to God is, we'll be more likely to follow through with it. Do you see that? If we will openly speak and announce what our commitment to God is, we will be more likely to commit and follow through with that action than if we just hold on to it and keep it in our minds. Because if we keep it in our minds, we're going to make excuse after excuse why not to do it. So make your plans public. Declare out loud. Speak it what you're going to. And I'm not saying you're going to speak something to existence. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But you're just declaring what your intentions are. There is, uh, in Colorado Springs, there is this cave that has this narrow passageway to get through. You can drive through it, but it's very narrow. And if you're standing in front, or not standing, but if you're sitting in your car in front of this passageway, you would, you would think for certain, 100% sure that there's no way your car will fit through that little passageway, right? But if you look off to the side... There's a little sign that says, yes, you can. Millions of others have, have driven through here. So driving carefully through it, you have to go slow. You can't speed through it. But if you drive slow and careful through it, you'll soon come to a wider drive on the other side. Now, why do I say that? Because so many times in our lives, we're going to face seemingly impossible things in our life and obstacles that's going to say, there's no way. There's no way I can do this. But we know that God is able to get us through it. We know that God is able to get us through it. We may not be able to see it. Just like the soldier who's marching over a hill, he has no idea what's on the other side. But if we are committed to trusting him and following him, he will get us through it. So God's, hear God's message to us because there's, there's so many unknowns that we will face. There's so many reasons for us to make excuses not to do and not to be committed to what God has called us to do. But 
As Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans or thoughts will be established. And when I started out, I told you I read Psalm 37, 5 from the King James Version. And the reason why is because in the context of what the word is saying there, it's like there's a problem. It's like there, there's an issue. But, but God says in his word, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. In other words, you'll get through it. He will bring it to pass. He gets the glory. All we have to do is be obedient and follow through with our commitment with action. Follow through with action. Follow through with action. That's the whole thing to commitment. That's everything. That is everything. And so I pray that, that God's word to me has blessed you today. I hope that, that God has spoken to you. He spoke to me in, in so many ways. And uh, I apologize that I didn't just have three points, but it is what it is. It's God's word. So um, please join me in prayer. Father, God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you love us enough to correct us, Lord, and to call us out of our comfort zones. To call us, Lord God, in, in places that are uneasy for us, uncomfortable for us, Lord, but... We can stand before you, Lord God, with our faults, Lord, with, Lord, all of our imperfections, Lord, and, and we don't have to feel ashamed. Lord, because you knew our imperfections, you know, Lord, our imperfections, you know our shortcomings, Lord God, you know the areas of our life where we lack commitment, Lord, you know the areas of our life, Lord, where we lack being dependent upon you, Lord, and we have walked away from who our identity is in you. Lord, help us, Lord God, to recommit in those areas today. Help us, Lord God, if we have never made a true commitment to you, Lord, and we are just in the valley of decision, Lord God, I pray that you would just tug at our hearts, Lord God. Call us, Lord God, to take that next step in faith, Lord, to commit to you to follow through with action lord help us lord to make public lord make it known what our intentions are lord god help us lord god to leverage lord our own our own human pride lord to use it for your good for your glory that we would follow through with what we say we would do and that lord we would do it for your glory Lord, again, I pray for anyone here, Lord, in that valley of decision, Lord, that today they would come out of the valley and come to the mountain, Lord, and meet you. Lord, that you would just wrap your arms around that person and let them know, Lord, that you have loved them, Lord, even before they even thought about you at all. That you committed to providing a way for their salvation. That you're waiting with open arms. Lord, once again, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.